everyone. Welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Randall Carlisle, along with my co-host, the lovely Rachel Santizo. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm I'm just fine. Uh, we will introduce our guest, Tony, in just a second. This is one of the most listened to and watched podcasts dealing with addiction and recovery. And and if you're listening on iTunes, please give us a comment. <laughs> leave a it's response. a review. A, a review. review. I was like, what is the word? Please leave a review for us because that's how we'll grow and learn. And we want to hear your voice and what you have to say. Right. Same we, thing. You never know because we're sitting in this little room and we just do our thing. And we know that thousands of people are watching or listening. But if we don't hear from you, it's sort of like... It's, you know, it just would be nice to hear from someone. Yeah, and we want to hear the stories that need to be told. So absolutely. Yeah. And our guest is you invited this morning. Mm -hmm. I did. Or today, I should say, people watch this 24-7. So we're recording it this morning. Gratefully, I mean, Tony deserves to be on this show. So this is Tony Allerton. And I... There's so many good things that I could say. I'm going to let her explain. Once she starts talking, you'll feel it for yourself. But she is over the creative arts pillar at Bits Recover, a nonprofit recovery center. And it's one of our pillars. And she provides an outlet. So we are very talented in our population. And it's like finding... When you say we, you're talking about people in recovery? Well, yes, people in recovery. And we should say Rachel and I are both in recovery. Mm -hmm. But Tony is not. Yeah. Wow. I know. Uh, you're one of the first guests we've had for a while who's not in recovery. But, but Which you, makes it extra special. Well, I know. But you have yeah. a lot of connection to people in recovery, right? Yeah. 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 So do you want to tell us how? Because I asked you before we started recording this, you mentioned uh, uh, a, a son um, and, I, or a husband. Meaning like my, my journey and with people in recovery. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as a, as a youth, um, I struggled with a lot of uh, mental health issues, um, in my, uh, childhood and in my adolescence. Mm -hmm. And, um, I ended up in a inpatient, um, rehab for adolescents for 73 days until they kicked me out for insurance reasons. But, um, so you were a rebel back then. Um, I, I was depressed. I was very oh, depressed, okay. hmm, but right. there were some things going on, um, uh, in my life that, yeah, that, you know, suicide and drug hmm. use and things like that were some of the only ways that at the time, you know, that you think that's how you're going to deal with it. So, and how old were you? Um, I was 16, hmm. 16. So, you went, um, you went into a residential facility. Mm-hmm. What was that like at sixteen? Uh, it was better wondering. than home, actually. So okay. I, I really people ask me that question a lot when I was there. You know, it must be hard to be here. And I'm like, no, it's not, this is not so bad. This is not yeah. so bad. So um, I learned a lot from the other patients there. Some things that maybe I didn't need to know, but I got <laughs> to use when I left. I'll so, yeah. um, and uh, but actually, that was during that time too. Um, I remember the one of the therapists saying you should be a therapist when you grow up, and that was one of those things that um, you know kind of stuck with me. After I left, um, uh, after I left the residential, I was homeless for a while, and then um, 
uh, like for my senior year in high school. You were a homeless senior in high school? Yeah, yeah. Here um, in Salt no, Lake? No, in or? California. Oh, okay. So it's different. At least it's it was different. warmer. It was very warm. Yeah. It was very yeah. warm. So being able to like squat in construction houses or houses yeah. under construction, um, mm-hmm. lived on a boat, in a car, garages. Literally lived in uh, a stairwell, you know, like Harry Potter. Yeah. Like the broom closet. Yeah. Um, things like that. And those were just, yeah, it was okay. It was okay to just like be in those spaces. I just fall so. more in love with her. The more <laughs> she speaks, so, I get to you know. You hadn't heard any of this? Yeah. No. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then during that time, I met um, my future ex-husband. And um, this is what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, gorgeous individual, very talented, um, struggling with alcoholism. And um, we just went down that, that, that journey together for like 10 years. Um, and just witnessing that, what, witnessing him also trying to quit. Yeah. You know, so it was an interesting journey uh, in itself. And that led, you know, often him trying to quit would, would be me using more as a, yeah. you know, a way for him to, it was, yeah, just, in, just a process. So um, during that time too, I started getting involved though, um, in jobs that were, um, around mental health. Okay. Um, so like in high school, I started at the time I lived in, um, in the, in the South Bay area. And you probably don't know this, this time era of the McMartin preschool. Yes. Um, I remember yeah, it do well. you remember that? Yes. And so I actually worked for a counseling center at the time that had um, created a space for the kids to come and because parents still needed places for the kids to go, they were still mm-hmm. trying to work and still trying to you know, make ends meet. So those kids who um, were being investigated in, you know, that came to this therapeutic daycare. So they just needed people at the time. I was a senior in high school that could run because these kids were just running. They were running, they were trying to get out. And so just somebody that could catch kids Hang with kids. I was like a behavioral health aide. And then I, after that, I went into working on the National Suicide Hotline. And What did and, that do for you? Because you completely uh, changed things. And so yeah. coming from the mental health and now you're working, you were working well, with youth in the suicide. I remember in one of my first psych classes, uh, Professor saying, he's just so jaded. He's like, half of you are here because you're just trying to find yourselves. And I thought, not me. I really want to be a therapist. But it's like, yeah, I was trying to find myself. Totally trying to find myself. Totally trying to find myself. So, yeah, working at those places allowed me also to have affordable um, mental health care because I got a a huge, you know, I was seeing this, you know, incredible doctor for $5, you know, because I worked there. That's a deal. That is. Yeah. Yeah. So so that was helpful. Um, What it did for me... um, I think it just, it, it, it helped to make sense of some of the things that had happened in my life. And you, you hear this all the time. Like, yeah. what do I do with this? What do I, what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. Other than try to understand myself and then come in a place where I'm not, uh, it, it's not about me, but I just like, I hear your story and, you know, I can, I can vibe something right. with it. You yeah. know what I mean? And, I, it, and, and again, not to try to pull anybody down the path that I went, but just like, I just, just, I can hear that. And I, maybe I understand it just a little bit better, a little bit differently. So, um, but that doesn't to say, I say that. And then I think about like how every single day I hear something like, you think you've heard it all. And then you're like, damn, yeah, damn, I just not heard that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. And so that's just like a continual process. So, 
um, yeah, I think that for me, that just made sense to go in that direction, probably initially just to try to make sense of like, why, why do some things happen? Well, it happens so that you can be in service to others. You know, uh, that's yeah, just like, I, I, I don't really like that at all saying that, but no, that was a way it like, like it's like this, yeah. it was just a way yeah. I think to just, uh, to somehow come to terms, you know, with some, some different things that, that went down. So. And, that, and now you have your PhD. So now I have my PhD. So we uh, had to call her Dr. Tony then. Yes. Huh? Oh, please. No. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was an eight year journey for that. Um, yeah, I have a, a, a bachelor's in music therapy, a master's in music-centered psychotherapy, and then a PhD in health psychology. But but the health psychology was really um, I wanted to know I wanted to know more about like the whole mind body um, and really understanding how our thoughts impact our health and our health impacts our thoughts and you know that whole vicious cycle that can happen. And the focus was also on program development and research. And I did that because I thought that was really lacking in my my understanding of of healthcare, and I wanted to know more about the phenomena of what I was seeing in the creative arts and music therapy. And what were you seeing? Honestly, and this is like I know coming from like my like ah, I love music therapy, um, but just like people who continue to say this is one of the most impactful experiences I've had. Yeah, you know, like I really am able to um, talk about what's going on. This is the only. This has saved my life. Um, this is the only way I can really talk as when I'm working with youth and you know they're really shut down, but what they see in their music is just like, whoa, is that what's going on for you? Is that how you're feeling? They're like, yeah, that's what's going on. Like, And, and that, wow. it's a growing trend to accept the fact that there are, that there's a whole bunch of things involved in treatment. Absolutely. Right. It is, it is finally growing. It is finally growing, but like it, music so, and yes. uh, Tibetan bowls, art, and, uh, yeah. um, dance, psychodrama, rec therapy, all of those things. There's still, there's still though, you know, healthcare is still dictated by insurance companies who are saying like, well, this is what you need, even though there's no evidence behind a lot of the things that they're still paying for. Uh, there is a lot of evidence be behind the creative arts therapy. So, so insurance wouldn't pay for music therapy Sometimes, or things like that? Most times they don't. In some states, um, like in the state, we've had a problem with our legislation um, as far as being willing to license music therapy in a lot of other states they do, which helps us to get re, uh, reimbursed with insurance. In this state, they're, you know, they're just like, we don't want to regulate one more thing and we're not going to support you on that. <laughs> and um, so that makes it hard for us. So you have to find a case manager just like really willing to go to bat. So a lot of the times these services that are very impactful and meaningful and transformative um, have to come out of pocket. Hmm. So the provider, like for myself, um, do you know before I before I got to work with Fit to Recover, you know, a lot of sliding scale, a lot of pro bono mm -hmm. work. And so that was part of my journey is trying to find like, well, where are the nonprofits who might support something like this, who might, you know, support um, bringing in community based music therapy, community based art therapy, things like that. And that being a little different in that it's not as clinically driven. But that yeah. magic still happens. Like the community is still doing the therapeutic work themselves. There's a landing place, you know, um, for them to continue that work. And it's affordable. It's accessible and it's ex affordable. And so as I was trying to create, you know, outpatient, am I like, do I need to, am I talking too much? No. Okay. You are um, so good. Um, no. 
as I was trying to create outpatient groups from a clinical space, you know, you'd see it inpatient, you'd see it available sometimes outpatient, but then there's no landing place for them. They're just like left alone mm -hmm. after that, like nothing. Um, I went to, I started talking to people in the recovery community and just uh, like, you know, who, where could I do this? Anybody willing to just let me do a group pro bono come in? And you saw, I was like, you should go talk to Ian Acker. Yeah. And I had actually met Ian a little before that because I had worked with Aqua, Re I was, I've been with Aqua Recover for almost seven years and I had taken them to FTR to do some recording. And yeah. met him there. And then we um, hooked up again, you know, after Usara sent me there. And we just started this process. It took us a year before he finally was like, yeah, he called me one day after. I said how I had kind of stalked him. I knew where he worked at at Vasa. And, you know, it just. <laughs> so I yeah. love that. That's you know, so I started working out at Vasa. Like, <laughs> you went in the morning and things like that. And so we just kept in contact with each other. And finally, he's like, yeah, well, let's, let's do this. And so I did it pro bono for six months and just, okay. you know, try to show some efficacy. Explain to me how, because I'm in recovery, explain to me how, say, music therapy or something like that. I'm a recovering alcoholic, okay? Uh, how that would have helped me when I would, went through a program. Yeah. I, I don't know that it would have. I, I think it, the thing that's unique about, I think, offering the creative arts is that um, I see everybody's recovery as unique, right? What works for some people are not going to necessarily work for others. So what we do, let's, let's say when we're working in an inpatient setting is, you know, you're throwing a lot of things at them, right. kind of seeing what works, what's going to, what's not going to, you know, not, not as effective for them. But I think with music, everybody has some kind of relationship with music. Everybody does, whether yeah. it's an acquaintance type relationship or it's like a deep, like it saved my life relationship. Like I can't yeah. wake up in the morning without it. I can't do X with it tells sure. my story. I remember the song when I was using like there's some relationships there with it. Right. And so we have this opportunity to um, to connect with each other, to witness each other, for people to speak their story, speak their truth through music. So sometimes it it helps even with people who say that I don't really like music, I don't really have a relationship with music. But then they're yeah. like, uh, wait, yeah, I have this memory with it, and it's a positive memory or it's a tough memory, and there it opens up the door often for people to be able. Um, to say things that were difficult, to literally sit in three and a half minutes with an emotion that sometimes is intolerable for them. But in right. that moment, like we're, we're, we're literally building some you know, like um, new bridges um, in our brain. Um, like the fact that, yeah, that safe space to be safe space. vulnerable. Exactly. And so like people like, I can't, I can't, I can't handle that emotion. Yeah. But in the song, like, okay, you sat with that for three and a half minutes. So here's a new a new message to the brain, like you can, you, you can, you don't want to. And there's a lot of things to work through on that, but you know what? We're not going to die. We are literally not going to die. Yeah. Which we feel like which we're we think going we're going, to. That's, a, yeah. that's usually what the amygdala is telling you, like get the hell out of yeah. here. You know? So, um, sometimes with music, it's a, this, uh, interesting way that it, it literally cools the amygdala, amygdala tells the prefrontal cortex, like chill, you're okay. You're okay. And then it, you know, it starts like this new hmm. relationship for them with their own emotional journey and their own memories and how they're managing trauma, all kinds of interesting things like that. And sometimes when you say like, what can it do to help connection? Sometimes it's hard for people. So sometimes mm -hmm. even if I'm just like witnessing somebody's experience, I don't have to have a relationship with that music. I don't have, but I'm just like hearing your story and like, wow, 
Mm-hmm. So, and it's, I remember I went to Tony once and I said, oh, I'm not creative because yeah. I don't draw. I mean, no, I can't I'm even not, draw a stick figure. Yeah. Oh, you're both sitting here with a podcast. You're very creative. Yeah. She like pulls this stuff out of you. Like, no wait, you are creative. You're just not giving yourself that permission to see well, it. You said too earlier, you said how the recovery community is very talented. Very. Think about all yes. the things that took place for you to stay alive. Think of all the things that it took place for even to keep the secret or to, to you know, to keep yeah. the habit going. All of those, like those are insanely creative ways, like so creative. Yeah. And so for us to, to acknowledge how creative um, individuals who are dealing with mental health and recovery issues are, and then find a place for them to use that in a way that um, is... Uh, more healthier for them and empowering empowering. there you go there you go and I think in residential care we don't do enough of that because Mm -hmm. occasionally when we'll have some kind of say art contest or or submission uh, the amazing artwork that we get from some of our clients and it's like my gosh I didn't know you were talented like that yeah so Yes. My, my, my PhD, my dissertation was on um, the impact of participation in, in a music group such as the one that we have at, at um, to Recover on social identity, transformation, and sustained recovery. And so, the, you know, the research has really shown like how important it is as you move through recovery to see yourself differently. So these opportunities um, to see yourself as an artist, as a musician, as a cook, as an athlete, mm-hmm. as... Uh, a volunteer, somebody who supports community, like we need to have different social identities other than just um, a recovering drug addict. Right, exactly. exactly. Like those are really important. And the more that we're able to support people in that kind of social prescription that supports social identity transformation, it it supports sustained recovery. So as you know, you see these Cadillac programs in inpatient that have, you know, all of these incredible groups and art therapy and music therapy and rec therapy and everything. And then in the discharge planning, none of that's happening. Even though the clients are saying in any kind of evaluation, like loved it, super important, valued it. And, and you can, you can look at, at therapist notes too on, you know, like the outcomes of this, there is nothing in the discharge um, so what I hope to see, and, and, and again, like, I think this is one of the fascinating and, um, amazing things that I see at Fit to Recover is this landing space that they're trying to create in the community where, okay, so we see that we see these things are impactful. How do we create the bridge of continuum of care so that when you land in the community, those things are still there for you. They're affordable and you can, you can keep going on that journey. Mm-hmm. So I, I hadn't thought about that. I mean, like if you think about uh, transitional housing and right. sober living, there's none of that. I mean, right. which is where fit it's to recover would come. And, and in. it's not right. enough. You hear this all the time with people in recovery. Um, uh, I need more. Yeah. Uh, it, you you have to have those. You have to have those initial safety needs met. Right. Mm-hmm. Housing, food. Those things have to right. be met, but you have to have the social interactions. You need your community. You need your tribe. I remember um, a client who was coming into transition or was transitioning back in the community, and um, there was nobody that was willing to work with him in music therapy, like continue. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And he asked me, so like, so what pill is my doctor going to give me for my loneliness? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Nothing, but they're going to try. 
Right. They're going to try. They're going to try to manage that with some kind of pill. But let's, if we can manage that with some kind of connection and um, find your people, like find your people. He wanted people to jam with him. You know, he wanted people to just. Um, and I, th- I think sometimes too, it's that long term, right? Too. So when life gets lifey, a safe space. To I, go that's to. right. We got to make that T-shirt. Yes. Life gets lifey. Yeah. That yeah. needs to be a T-shirt. Right? And we're thank doing you. for thank people you. who don't know. We're talking about a program that that Tony does. Uh, Doctor Tony. That's. Uh, that's so you like that? That's uh, the first time we kind of. Yeah. Thank you. That she, that she, <laughs> she does it fit to recover, mm-hmm. and I, I think a lot of people in Utah know what fit to recover is, but a lot of people around the country and the world. World would not so just uh, just brief what does fit to recover do go ahead you do it yeah yeah, well, back. yeah this is my so. elevator speech on they both work they should know what, what yes. fit to recover I, I talk about fit to recover as a nonprofit that supports the recovery community through fitness and nutrition and service and creative arts um we we have the opportunity often to to first meet people from you know whether in detox all the way all the way back into the community and we're one of those rare connections in there and so our mission is really to provide this safe space for people to come and connect find their tribe continue to find a safe place in recovery to to uh, to be to, to find fitness you know as that's a very important part um, of health and learn healthy relationships with food mm-hmm. and their creativity. And I mean, the research, can, it, it's interesting when you talk about with service, which I found was really interesting in yeah. my research project, but just in the research that I was reading when you were talking to people who were in long-term sustained recovery, one of the social roles that they felt was the most important was being in service to others. Mm-hmm. That was one of the top yeah. things was being in service to others. So it was no surprise to just see that come out even in music therapy, like, you know, the way that they saw themselves in service to others in the, the music group. And so service is a huge part. Uh, of what we do is just providing that space we're like hey come and all of it's about being safe and connected too yeah and I think I want to point out because we started detox right but actually we start we can start into like the um, correction facilities like Tony's going to start going into CATS and doing creative arts CATS is a program in the Salt Lake County Jail run by Odyssey House and so it's it's basically the same type of program that you would get in a residential setting Mm -hmm. at Odyssey House except it's in a jail Okay. Yeah. I, so, just, yeah. I need to explain. No, yeah. Thank great you. explanation. Thank you. Yeah. And then you're talking, and then you're also talking about this landing pad, right? Mm-hmm. A safe mm-hmm. landing pad. Mm-hmm. What does the landing pad look like moving forward? It's so cool. It's uh, <laughs> we're moving. It's literally a community center. The the, the thing that too, and I don't mean to just be like the woo woo uh, FTR train, but um. I feel like uh, it's one of the things that it keeps, you know, is very attractive about working with the nonprofit. I, I mean, I moved out of the the corporate healthcare, which you know pays all right, good benefits yeah. and stuff, and then like into a nonprofit, that's a whole other, you know, yeah. a whole yeah. other world. But it's the work. It's 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 the work, and they're continually reevaluating what does the community need. And it's not about like FTR needs it's about okay like we are constantly like every day what what we gotta do so one of the you know big things that's come up is we've outgrown the space that we've had and we're moving into a new community center that's literally two buildings eleven thousand square feet Mm -hmm. so it's um double the size for the fitness pillar um a space for uh, our service it's creative arts has never had a space 
in these four years. So we have a space. And now you will. Now we do. And now we have a place for people to come and hang out and also create like a sober venue for people to come Mm -hmm. and enjoy music where artists can come in who support that mission. And um, and then our nutrition pillar will have a, a bigger state of the art. So somebody listening or watching uh, is going to say, hey, that sounds like a cool program. How do I get involved and how much does it cost? Right, right. We never turn anybody away. We we suggest a $40 a month um, member donation. So and that would they, be for everything. That for would everything. be exercise, yeah, yeah. your yeah. program, come into, nutrition, yeah. service. Yeah. Yep, yep. For our, for our nutrition um, pillar, uh, there's other options too. Um, you can buy meal preps. You can mm-hmm. engage in, um, in a weekly meal prep lot, you know, together, yeah. a community meal prep, which is really cool. Um, so, yeah, the space is going to be open more. As well, before, yes. you know, just with the gym that we had, it, you could only do one thing in time, right. fitness, where then you clear out and then you build up for yeah. the creative arts and you tear that down. And then where they've got, you know, the nutrition going on upstairs and we, we can run simultaneously and support the neighborhood cool. at the same time, the ballpark neighborhood. And to think that it all started out at Sugar House Park, right? yes. then moved yes. to the building that you're in now. And now you're moving to a new building, which shows there's a need for a program yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So how, how would somebody... What it, if you go online, what, ftr.org? Yeah, but it's, but it's fit, fit to, and the number to recover.org. Fit to, to the number recover.org. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you can also just Google and fit to recover, and I think it's the only yeah. thing that pops And Facebook, pops Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. And then Instagram also, like, there's a separate for nutrition. It's mm-hmm. called Food to Recover and then Creative Arts and a women's group. So there's a lot of different options. Oh, and, and as, uh, in one of our podcasts, I think that's coming out in the future, uh, there's a there's a pride group as well. There's an right? LGBTQ group yeah. and there's a yeah. we have a grief group as well. And then in January, our men's group will be starting up again. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, love it. Yeah, Peter, and the point of us bringing uh, uh, is uh, talking about FTR or Odyssey House. There's, there's, there is no one way to recover, right. and, or or be successful or live happily in life, uh, and and there's just so many community partners who yeah. work together uh, to try to achieve, you know recovery and a good life balance and everything. I mean, for instance, at, at Odyssey's residential program, we take our people to fit to recover mm-hmm. uh, because right. we think it's important, you know, and, and, and there's so many other nonprofits out there that are doing things like that, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. We were talking about Soap to Hope, which yes. is a which is a group that's sort of street level service to people who are yeah. out on the street, you know, yeah. with, yeah. with harm like reduction. And, and, yeah. Yeah. yeah, those things that we don't think that are out there, but that really are though. So it's it's standing for that, and so I think it's great. So like when I met Tony, I was like, I'm not creative, you know, but actually, like <laughs> she pointed out that I am, and so I'm trying to listen more. But it's like that outlet, though. There are a lot of creative people or nutrition or just so many. We've done so much damage to our bodies. Or how do you eat on a budget when you're on food stamps? You know, like different things. So it's and still, really, buy, still buy booze and heroin. I right, mean, you right. Know, it's really difficult <laughs> to do that. You know, you got you, you to have a budget. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we talk about this, too, um, just being open to um, trying different things. Yeah. Because even if somebody's coming in and saying, I'm not 
I'm not always I'm not so that people put themselves in, but um, the opportunity to try something. Yeah. Um, and how that might surprise like the next time you hit a wall where you think you can't do something, you've just had this little experience where you like stepped through that. Yeah. So sometimes the creative arts, too, are just like the safe way to challenge those. those and also negative people. Yeah. yeah. To like build and grow off of it because you have people that are yeah. that show up and, and want to be a part of that. Yeah. And so it's also giving a platform yeah. for people to grow. We, we talk often about it's not the product. It's not the end product mm-hmm. of the yeah. art or the music, but it's the process. It's the fact that, that you did it. Yeah. 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 What was that like for you? Yeah. We'll talk about that. Yeah. That's another aspect of recovery. Yeah. So thank you for being you're our so guest. We're, thank see, you. That was a quick half hour, wasn't it? See. <laughs> It's because, it's because you're so charming, Doc. It's true. It's oh, very true. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you good so to, much. Appreciate it. Good to yeah. see you again, Rachel. Thank you. And thank you for watching or listening to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. Mm-hmm.